It's our house, our coffee, our rules and our shot at the big time as we talk Knives Out and Rocky on Have You Seen. Hello, lovely podcast friends. Uh, it's KOs and KO, I guess, this week on Have You Seen. Uh, we're talking about Knives Out and Rocky. I am the dull boxing glove of podcasting, Kieran Lefort, which I guess makes him the sharp knife of movie podcasting, Tom Webb. Hello. I don't, I don't feel I'm particularly sharp tonight, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was about being friendly. Um, I think due to the nature of these films, mm-hmm. uh, we should do Rocky first and mm-hmm. then Knives Out because yep. um, we say that we are going to spoil these films and... Knives Out is a film that I think the less you know about it going in, the more you're going to get out of it. Yeah, I think so. I would very much recommend if you have not seen Knives Out, do not listen to the second half of this show. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's definitely think, one that you get more out of if it's if you're if you're yes. in unknown. Absolutely, and I think um, telling people to not listen to only half the show is better than telling people to not listen to a whole show <laughs> or to try and fast forward to some yeah. unknown timestamp in the middle of a long show because these yeah. always go long. Yeah. So, would you like to bring us up to speed with uh, the deal with Rocky? Yeah, sure. So I pitched Rocky to you because um, we covered First Blood, and it was a bit of a I think I mean, I said at the time it was a bit of a surprise for me watching that movie because it wasn't quite what I thought it was. And then you know, when you watched it, I think you kind of had the same sort of feeling that I did that it wasn't quite what you were expecting. And Stallone ended up being like actually a decent actor and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and I figured that why not have a look at like the the film he won an Academy Award for, um, Rocky. Mm-hmm. Not for his acting. I think he won it for screenplay. Didn't it? One 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 best screenplay and best film i think uh i don't think it won best film it's only one best best screenplay and yeah yeah Uh, might have at least got a nomination for screenplay yeah so rocky was nominated for the following oscars okay best actor in a leading role sylvester stallone uh best actress for uh talia shaw uh best actor in a supporting role for burgess meredith Best actor in a supporting role for Burt Young, best writing, best uh, best writing screenplay written directly for the screen, but uh, Sylvester Stallone, best sound and best music original song. So it was okay. nominated for all of those. It's about eight or nine. It's quite a lot. Uh, and the ones it won, which were not included on that list, are best film editing, best director, and best picture. It, really? Yep. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. So one of those nineteen seventy seven. Um I guess I must underestimating the underdog. Yeah, yeah. So um yeah. you know, this is this is I mean, a big deal that uh, for Sly to get Oscar nommed for not only his acting but also his writing. Yeah. Um again it's another two things you don't naturally associate with Professor Stallone. Exactly. Good acting and good writing. Yeah. And you know, and it's it's a movie that I think is like everyone knows of rocky everyone knows it's an underdog boxing movie but it's one of those films that when i watched it i was like oh wait that's not really what it is it's not really about that and yes that is the the plot but there's a lot going on it's got way more depth than i Hmm. thought it would have um so yeah so i 
I know that I'd only ever seen this once and it was, again, I was just surprised by it and I, I haven't watched any of the sequels, although I've always thought I probably will do. Mm. Um, and yeah, and, and so for me, I deliberately didn't watch it before I pitched it to you because I wanted to see if I had that same experience again. Um, but I'm curious to know what you thought before we dive into it more. Well, okay. The top line is... It's very good, but I don't know if I like it. Do you know what? I, watching it back, I thought that's how you might feel. Yeah. I. I um. I, oh, go on. Go I'm on. not going to preempt what you what you think. <laughs> um. I, did I even write what I thought? Well, no. All I did was write. It's really good, but I don't know how much I like it. Yeah. Um. Part of the problem is Rocky is profoundly irritating and just an idiot, but. As a character, he's a really well-drawn, realistic idiot mm -hmm. yeah. who grows up and becomes a man like he should have years ago. Yeah. And by the end of the film, he's the 30-year-old he claims to be 10 minutes in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a coming-of-age story. Everybody knows the British version. Well, okay, every Brit knows the British version of this idiot. Yeah. He's yeah, absolutely. the overconfident, gobby maybe slightly criminal twat yeah and it, but it's that's the facade yeah and, and i think what i appreciate more about this movie and what i love about this movie are the moments where that where he uh feels comfortable enough to be vulnerable and drop that to adrian yeah and yeah I think, I think so those are the moments that i kind of think okay this is this has got like you say, way more character depth than than he should. And you're right; he's a bit of a a knob, really. He's a white boy, yeah, kind of, yeah. Like he he thinks he's bigger than he is, yeah. And he's he just, acts like he acts like the big I am, yeah. And he's not, yeah. And but also he just gets taken advantage of because he doesn't have the smarts to kind of, yeah, not really. And he's actually quite kind of. He's quite kind of kind, gentle, and sort of trusting of other people. Like he, like, and that's why he gets taken advantage of to an extent. Yeah. I mean, there is that kind of front. There's the him, you know, going and debt collecting and that kind of stuff, just because that he's I got the brawn. Expect. Yeah, well, I did not expect that. I wrote down, oh, he's a mob enforcer too, is he? <laughs> well, I think it's like a. I think it's. I don't know if it's specifically mob, but it's it's um, gambling. It's think, an it? it's a, it's a well dressed Italian gentleman who can yes. employ staff to go around and uh, break someone's collect. thumbs. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it's heavily implied that that is mob affiliated. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, he just outright steals turtle food. Yeah, know, he never pays for that turtle food. It's like, well, I mean, it's even more um, blatant than Smokey and the Bandit where Burt Reynolds <laughs> and Nick's all the beer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. At least he did it, he did it you know, under cover of a break in. Like, he didn't do it right in front of the shop owner and the shop assistant, who yeah. he quite fancies. Yeah. 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 Um, I didn't really like any of the characters. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I can see like, that. I can see why. I, I kind of, I, I, I warm to Rocky and Adrian. I wrote that early on in my notes, though. Right. As I think, as they open up, I warm to them more. Mm. As they open up to each other, they yeah. open up to the audience at the same time. And mm. I think that I warm to them more. Um, I found Paulie, I was amazed, didn't get his head punched off at any point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, he's really and, irritating. Like, 
watching Burgess Meredith is quite difficult because as a kid, I watched loads of the 60s Batman series yeah. and he's just the penguin to me. I know, I know. And that voice, it's like so distinctive. And although yeah, he's not exactly. doing like the prop full on penguin voice, there's still like little hints of it. Uh, there, uh, yeah. Every now and then you're like, oh, that's a bit, a bit fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought Carl Weathers was really good as Creed. Yeah. Yeah, he's like he is. He's just an injection of personality. Yeah, and and, and he, he's playing that stereotypical. He couldn't be more of an Ali analog if yeah. you if he yeah. just had a flashing sign yeah. over his head that said "I am Muhammad Ali." What one of my favourite moments in the film is kind of near that sort of thirty minute mark, and it's when you're first introduced to Creed as like in person. I think you hear of him beforehand, but this is the first time you see him. He's in the office of the promoter. Hmm. And they they don't like the guy he's supposed to fight for this big event drops out, and then there's a load of other people, but they're like, we can't fight them. They're not in the country, or they're not ready, or yeah. blah, blah blah blah. And he comes up with the plan: I'll I'll we'll make it just a show fight, and I'll fight a local underdog, and it'll just yep. be a it'll just be me going over defending the title. But I'll I'll give some local lad a chance. It's the you know it's the sort of American dream kind of like bullshit basically and the there's promoter, a line in that scene this, i think this oh, is it. yeah it's very says, american he says i like it it's very american he goes, yes and he goes no it's very smart as if the two yes. are not mutually exclusive yep yeah yep. and i was just like okay yeah that's perfect i think and i think it's like i like it sets up uh apollo creed as a really smart guy but his arrogance and complacency He's he's Butch Cassidy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah he's a he's a, a skillful, good, yeah. charismatic, smart businessman. Yes. Absolutely. That's yeah. That's who a great kind of, who cu- he, he, Yeah. He kind of he just comes undone by underestimating the underdog. Um. It. This is a hundred percent pure ro- pro wrestling. This movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And um, I think any wrestling promoter who is or wrestling booker who mm. has never seen this film needs to immediately because it's exactly how to make an underdog babyface, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Like how to make, you know, a downtrodden good guy into yeah. a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Very, very easily. Like yeah. Creed's not even a villain. No, no, he's just he's, he's just exactly the character is he's not a bad guy and i think the only thing he does wrong is underestimate someone he's never heard of he doesn't even talk shit about rocky when they're doing the promos no no there's a few little snide comments or they don't they don't yeah but nothing no well i know rocky says it got to me yes like but it's more to do with the way the the press are treating him exactly yeah not not apollo specifically and i think that i think I mean, we'll come to this when we talk about the ending, but they mm. they they handled that all of that very very well in mm. in how everybody wins in in, yeah. in, in a sense. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's he's not a, a villain. Um, no, I do need to watch the other movies because obviously there's more to that than <laughs> I've got a full Blu-ray box set right over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. What did I write? Um, I think it's 29 minutes before we get to a st- scene that doesn't have Stallone in, and that's the Creed scene. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He, he, I mean, he absolutely, this movie is him the oh, whole yeah. time. You know, it's, And it's funny how much you wanted to be cut out of Rambo yeah. <laughs> when how much there is of him in this. Absolutely, um, yeah. One problem I did have with it is um, it's, it's not even the pace and it's not even the length. It is too long. But I think that's just the movie language of the time. There are points where 
Rocky has to walk from point A to point B and you see all of it in one shot. And that might take 30 seconds. I think I could take just the footage used in the final print of this movie, cut out 30 minutes and not lose any information. No. And not, and potentially not lose any shots. Just trim them down because they're yeah. just they're too long because it was the seventies. Yeah. No. I think. Uh, yeah. I can, I can see how how that could work. Yeah. Just like you know, there's a takes someone too long to walk from A to B. Cut into yeah. the, you know, it's like was it enter the scene as late as possible and get out as early as possible. It's exactly. Like that, you know, it's the seventies. They like they're establishing. And know. a lot, a lot is established, but it takes a long time to establish it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you could easily make this movie like the setup of the concept of the fight, training montage, fight. Like you could have your three act structure based on all of those. Yeah, and and but I think what what that's the that's kind of what the plot is, and that's what I think everyone sees on face value. But the story of the movie is the Adrian Rocky romance. I think. Yeah. And you know, there's that that follows its arc as well. Um, you know, he he kind of wins her over. You know, they 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 kind of start to get settled mm. and and get into a relationship. She questions, you know, why does he even want to fight? And you know, mm. it's this whole concept of him needing to prove himself, basically prove that he's yeah. worth more than than everyone says he is. I mean, he is like he is because everyone's told him he's stupid and he, he won't achieve anything. This is um, the one thing he's good at. Exactly, yeah. 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 And, but even then, Burgess Meredith has said to him, I, I, I'm really, you know, I, I, I give you a hard time because you could have been great and you yeah. didn't put the work in. So, you know, it all kind of culminates. And I think that, you know, going to the... You know, I've talked about those moments where you see the vulnerability of Rocky. There's the the moment where he kind of brushes off all the oh the I didn't get bothered by the press. I didn't get bothered by the press. And mm. then later on, he he just says to to Adrian, "I did." Mm. And then there's the moment where before the fight, he goes and looks at the venue, and he yes. points out that his trunks are the wrong color. And the guy's like, "It doesn't matter." Yeah. And he realizes that he's just. A jobber, basically. Exactly. Put it, yeah, put it yeah. in your parlance. Um, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't he's, matter. He's yeah, he's there to you know. Yeah. And, and maybe go, get a couple of good hits in, and it, then it, exactly go and, down the third. And whether and, he likes it or not. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because you know, Creed was it Creed's never gone further than the third round because he always wins, right? Yeah. That's the kind of the, the myth. That there are the there are there. MMA there are MMA fighters like that. Yeah. There are a guy. There, I think it's Ronda Rousey, for example. Mm. Like it took her years to get taken into the second round of a fight. Jesus. That's and then crazy. after that. Like she was, which like previously she'd been winning in under a minute mm. by submission each time as well. Wow. Um, uh, took her ages to get taken to the second round, and then when she eventually got beaten, she retired because she couldn't take it. That's crazy. Yeah, just got so used to winning all the time. Yeah, and winning quick. Yeah, and 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 so you know, Rocky takes that and realizes, okay, this I can't win this. So he mm. he finds a way to reframe his achievement. Like he looks like if I can make him go the distance, because nobody's yeah. ever done that. That's just as good as winning. And it kind of all culminates in the final fight where Rocky mm. does go the distance. Yeah, which I thought would be twelve rounds and turned out to be fifteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they do. Uh, so so they they do something I think really clever with the ending. So, like you said, Apollo Creed's not really a villain. So, mm. like, 
Rocky just beating him would be very unrealistic. Hmm. Possible, but really schmaltzy unrealistic yeah the no mark beating the world heavyweight champion is taking the piss a bit yeah. and to be honest for a long time because i do i i have known the ending of this film i do mm. know the ending of this film yeah. before i saw it um but for a long time like i assumed that rocky yeah. did win yeah same here same mm. here so what essentially what happens is rocky goes the distance but creed wins on judge's decision mm. um and that's kind of almost thrown away. Like that happens in the background of a shot that they declare that Creed's the winner, doesn't it? And because uh, Rocky's calling for Adrian. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, Adrian runs up onto the thing and she says, I love you. And he says, I love you back. And that's when the film ends. They say it a lot. They yeah, say it a lot. Yeah. I had the sub. I had to have the subtitles on. Right. <laughs> I had to w- rewatch the first five minutes because I couldn't understand a word anybody said, and I watched the whole thing with the subtitles on. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fun fact, I don't think the is... word boxing is said for an hour and fifty six minutes wow. into a two hour movie. That's yeah. crazy. They call it fighting all the time. Fighting. Yeah. 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 But and I... it's only the ring announcer who uses the word boxing when he's right. uh, announcing the 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 main event, the fight. That's, that's crazy because I, you know, I think that you know it that that moment it just highlights that. What what is Rocky's win is Adrian saying I love you for the first time because yeah. she hasn't said it prior to that. And I mm. think it just, I don't know, I think it's a really cool ending. I think it's a really nice way to neatly wrap up everyone having a positive ending but without it being twee, ham-fisted or schmaltzy or a letdown. Yeah. I am aware of the sliding scale and I am mm. aware that they become more Stallone as mm. Stallone becomes more Stallone. But yeah. the end of this made me more interesting in watching the next one. Yeah, same here. I, I, I can't. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen Rocky Two. I might have, mm. but I, I think basically I would want to watch Rocky Two and Rocky Three. I don't think I'd want to watch any more than that. Just because you I'm, don't want to go to the longer one. That is the longer one. Three is. I the thought that was one. four. Is it? I thought it was Rocky Three. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, no, I can't. It's, it's over there. It means I'll have to get up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was three. Okay, maybe it's four. No, all right. Maybe uh, I'd have no, to three, is, three is Mr. T and uh, Hulk Hogan oh, right. at the beginning, and then four is I must break you. Fine. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. How do I know that without having seen these I damn know. films? But it's because they're such a part of the... I mean, they're so, such iconic movies. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, the, the steps in Philadelphia where he runs up and celebrates like right everyone's always going to be at the top of those steps with their arms in the air you know of course they are i was like i got to that scene i'm like hey there's no statue on the steps i'm like you fucking idiot it's a rocky statue that they made for the third film so of course it's not there in 1976 you plump amazing that's fantastic Oh, but but that goes to show how iconic it is. That yeah, ex- I, my, exactly. I've yeah. never been to Philadelphia, but my brain knows there's a Rocky statue there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's crazy. It's so, um, uh, I really like the music. Mm. The 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 Rocky theme, like "Gonna yeah. Fly," the Rocky theme is like the production is and treatment are dated now, obviously, because yeah. mm. you know recorded in 1975. Yeah. But the hooks are great; like everybody knows that fanfare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the piano, the Bill Conti piano versions mm. are really nice as well. So the thing I find with a lot of 70s soundtracks is they either they're they're either absolutely brilliant 
or they're mm. absolutely awful. And we we found out. I mean, French you can connection. say that from you can say that with any decade, I, like, yeah. Particularly when you get into the eighties and people have discovered synthesizers. That is, that is true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking. You know, we we had a good. We you know the the, the music in rock is great. The music in French connection. Yeah, not so much. There was one thing I meant to look up um, oh, right. because I'm not convinced it would be a real thing. Creed has a twenty pound weight advantage. Oh yeah, that is a bit like. I don't think Rocky's in the right weight category. I don't think at he's billed one hundred and ninety, I think, yeah. and uh, Creed's billed at two ten. I don't think they can fight in the same weight category. I don't know what the I I, I just kind of I don't know anything about boxing really, so mm. I just kind of assumed that Creed was at the very top because that was where you want to be, and Rocky was at the very bottom. No, it's it's delineated into weights. Yeah, and like if you think of something like MMA, like UFC, like they're every five pounds or so. Wow, wow, it's that kind of yeah, yeah. It's it's that strict. Wow. Jesus, um, like that, like the extra pound or two can make all the difference. That's crazy. Uh, so there we go. That's Rocky, I guess. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I, I kind of concur with your. I liked it more as it went on. I think. Yeah, yeah. I certainly wouldn't rewatch it a lot. But I, but I, I appreciate its, I appreciate its value as a movie. Hmm. Um, yes, and I would watch it, you know. And I understand why it's become the template for the underdog story, the mm. un- and particularly the underdog sports movie. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. All right. Should we move on to knives out? Yes. Which involves me um, trying to get my knives out notes up, but. Uh, my Mac is not doing what I want it to do. We are having an amazing time in technology tonight. Yeah, I don't know how much of this the listeners are going to get to see and hear our technical no. difficulties, but please believe us, it has been a nightmare to get this show started and to even get this far. Yeah, it's, yes. Technology is not our friend. No. Right. So, I'm just going to plow on. Yep. Knives Out, 2019, written and directed by Ryan Johnson who, as we mentioned before, is uh, the guy who did Brick and the Brothers Bloom and uh, some latter Star Wars films. Two of them, I think? Uh, no, just one. Oh, just one. Okay. He was supposed to do more, but then the one he did was so bad. Okay. I I mean, I don't care. I'm that, that rare thing, a man of the correct age who gives not one shit about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I, I quite enjoyed The Force Awakens. I, I, did that, I even see that one? That was that one, one that I... When I was watching... I can't I was, tell them apart. When I was watching it, I was just like, yeah, I'm really enjoying this. And then I've just thought, do I want to watch that again? No, nah, not really. And then yeah, I watched... iPad's doing weird things. I watched Last I Jedi. Which, last watched Last Jedi, which is the Ryan Johnson one. And I was just like, no, no, you've... you've like, you've... Ryan I Johnson just, one or J.J. Abrams one? No, the J.J. Abrams one, oh, the one okay. that I, I enjoyed. The Ryan right. Johnson one was the one I was just like... I mean, okay, credit for taking some very bold decisions. Hmm. Uh, maybe shouldn't have taken them, but, you know. <laughs> and and I just, I haven't watched the last one just because I've, like you, lost interest. So I still haven't watched Avengers Endgame because I just, I can't motivate myself to bother build to watch it. Oh, that's much better. Right. Um, right. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. Double spoiler warning. Uh, we're gonna now going to spoil Knives Out quite a lot. And if you haven't seen it, we heartily suggest you switch off this show now, watch the film, and then come back. Yes. Or just leave this unlistened to till the end of time. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any odds to us. Half a listen counts as a listen on our podcast uh, platform. So, yeah. Right. So, Knives Out, 2019, Ryan Johnson, a modern yet also retro whodunit. I'm just going to read uh, yeah. what I read out last week. Uh, when a renowned and nope, I'm going to do it again. When renowned and extremely wealthy crime novelist Harlan Thromby is found dead the morning after his 85th birthday party, brilliant detective Benoit Blanc is hired by an unknown party to investigate. On the surface, it appears to be a suicide, but there sure are a lot of people with a motive. Mm-hmm. What I didn't relent- mention before is all those people appear to be related to him. Yes. Um, <sighs> the Thrombies are a sizable, mostly very conservative family. Yeah. Um, with all the with all the arrogance that comes with money, yes, yeah, um, and and kind of uh, self made slash inherited wealth. Self, I mean, there's there's a very blatant Trump prod mm. in it, which is uh, it's Linda is the character played by Jamie Lee Curtis, and she claims to be like a self-made woman running her yeah. own real estate business. And it's, yeah, she's self-made, funded by a million-dollar loan from her father, which yes. is exactly how Trump started in business. Yes, yeah, there's a lot of little Trump digs, like, you know, there take, are. take your red cap off for a second and yes. you know, that kind of yes. stuff, I noticed. Yes. Um, I, I initially was going to pitch something, Tom, very, very different to this. Mm. Uh, and watched i was having a movie day and watched this because it's just popped up on amazon prime here in the uk uh and i've been wanting to see it since before it came out in the cinemas um and i watched it and i thought that is much better than what i was going to pitch to tom uh and so pitch this instead um and i like it because i like I like complex movies that tie up all their loose ends Mm. and I I love it because it's a tight, well-written script packed with details and characters and character details. Yes. Uh, So there we go. Uh, I'll just do a quick rundown of the cast, I guess. Uh, So Harlan Thromby is Christopher Plummer. Benoit Blanc is Daniel Craig. Um, The very important part of Marta... um, Harlan's personal nurse is Anna de Armas, who is the only person on this list you're not going to have heard of. Well, actually, Linda... I, do you know what? I've actually seen her in a film. I know you wouldn't have think you? I have yet. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't realise it, um, but one of the very few recent movies that I have found the time to watch is Blade Runner 2049. Oh, okay. And she's the, she's the um, what would you call it? I don't know. She is the projection of a computer companion of she's course. like a she's like a hologram of a of a companion to ryan gosling okay fair enough okay yeah. um uh linda is uh the eldest daughter of harlan played by jamie lee curtis her husband is richard played by don johnson there is walt who is the uh son of harlan played by michael shannon his daughter-in-law who was married to another son who has died before the events of the movie played by tony collette and then uh, linda and richard's uh son uh, known as ransom which is his middle name uh played by chris evans mm-hmm. these are our major players there are other characters yeah. on the periphery as yeah. well but this is the this is the top line uh this is how you got the money for this film cast yeah um i have talked a lot i'm going to let tom either say he loved it or drop a bombshell and say he hated it um i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed Excellent. it it's Good. it's you know i've always i've i love colombo poirot 
Mm. Like, you know, and I grew up watching like Miss Marple and all of that kind of stuff. Um, So that Agatha Christie uh, whodunit is Mm. a genre that I'm very, very familiar with and have always kind of enjoyed. Yeah, Yeah. I thought you might have more of a base in this than I would because um, I have... I've never read an Agatha Christie novel. Um, my exposure to Poirot is the David Suchet stuff, which when I was a kid was sort of too slow and boring for me. Mm, see, I, I'm aware I, of the character. Like my stepdad loved it. He would, I remember he mm, would watch them. I, um, I love the Suchet. I had, no inter- I, I, had no, I had no interest in Miss Marple because that was just an old woman. You know, yeah, I wasn't um, into that sort of thing when I was younger, so, which is when it was all around on the TV for us here. I, I know I, I'm only kind of marginally younger than you, but it's. Mm. Uh, I think the reason, so these TV movies, which is essentially what they are, like Miss Marple, mm. uh, it's the Joan Hickson ones that I I I, I kind of relate to most, um, and the David Suchet Poirot, Poirot because mm. they were in the late eighties, early nineties, so mm. that was prime like preteen and early teen Tom any excuse to not have to go to bed like <laughs> i see stay up and watch oh i want to see who's who's done it and you know it's like so you'd kind of get sucked in so because they'd put they start yeah, at like I, nine I would o'clock be more likely, i would be more likely to go to bed with a transformers comic than, exactly. than, yeah so you know. you know and i'm i'm a night owl so like i i yeah I, i've always hated going to bed and uh, you know so like for me like i would quite in actual fact a lot of movies I have ended up watching as just an excuse to stay up, I like see. with, my, with my, my parents or something. So This is how teenage Tom rebelled. Yeah, yeah. Right. Until yeah. I met him in the late teens and he had pink hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, it's, uh, I, yeah I, I do like the genre and I've been wanting to get hold of all the Pyros again to rewatch. I've got mm. a Columbo box set, um, which I rewatch and... Mm. Um, it's interesting actually because I, I think I feel that this is a real perfect balance between those two characters. So the thing okay. about Agatha Christie novels, I've never, I've never read the novels. I should say the Agatha Christie stories is they tend to be this very typical group of people. Lots of people have a motive, a murder, and you have your genius detective working it out, and all mm. is revealed in that final scene. Yeah, and usually there is a twist. Or there is something that you as an audience member could never have figured out because that knowledge wasn't made available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, you can never preempt, like you can guess who the murderer is, but you can never know who the murderer is until you're told, mm. right? Um, whereas Columbo is the complete opposite of that. Every episode of Columbo, I think bar one, you know who the killer is. Because the very first scene, you see someone committing a murder. So with Columbo, you always know who's done it, how they've done it. And the the big deal is, how is Columbo going to work it out? Because the murders are so Mm -hmm. well done in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And this kind of sits somewhere directly in the middle, where you pretty much know... I mean, you can figure out who's done it, and then you get told what happens. Mm. And then it's about... It, it, you know, so in the first thirty minutes, you can probably figure out who the two key key people involved are. Uh, then you get told what ha- actually happens and why and how Harlan Thromby dies, 
and then the rest of it is mm. you're like, oh, well, is is Benoit Blanc going to figure this out or not? And and you know what what's the comeuppance of that? So I quite like this because it had a different vibe. Like it it had it pulled on all of that Poirot, Colombo, Colombo, Agatha Christie stuff, but it was different to all of them mm-hmm. because of the way it sort of mixed and mashed mashed it. Um, I would say that. The broad strokes of it, I thought, were fairly obvious, but the details were what kept it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think, uh, I think by the thirty-minute mark, I'd figured out that the his his death was caused by Marta and or ransom. Mm. Uh, but I didn't know how or if it was intentional or what. I just knew that they were the two that were involved in the actual killing mm-hmm. and then probably within the next sort of 20 minutes i'd figured out okay the rest of this is it was benoit blanc knowing what had happened he'd already figured it out like i, I already knew at that point that, that benoit blanc knew exa- knew pretty much if not exactly what had happened before he gets told the confession like he's already on it and what he's actually doing is he's not he's not solving the crime because he's already done that. What he's doing is evaluating Marta to figure out if he should say what he knows to be true or whether he because he he can clearly see that there are a group of horrible people and one intrinsically good person, and whether right. he should make the moral decision to let her get away with it if she'd murdered right. Right. So that's kind of where I got with in my thought processes as I was watching it. Um, but obviously all of the detail and, and how it gets all trans how it all transpires, I had no clue out clue about. This is one of those films where I I really want a linear timeline of it. Right. Because yes. it it jumps back and forward so much. And there are two there are two scenes in particular the first time round I got them mixed up um the uh the memorial uh scene the wake if you like and the birthday party yes yes absolutely the moment where um they're talking about immigrants and Marta is sort of brought into the conversation i assumed happened at the party but it didn't it happened at the memorial right and similarly this time around i was trying to work out why Fran was crying and hysterical about her cousin and this movie she'd seen on Lifetime at a birthday party. Yes. When it wasn't the birthday party, that was at the wake. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, there are things. And I think that that's an Agatha Christie thing of not necessarily... Well, there is like, particularly in Poirot, there are reconstructions. Like Poirot will talk people through the steps of what they did and you you Mm. get reconstruction. I think, I I don't know if Miss Marple does it as well, but I seem to remember with with those, there is that kind of going back and forth and almost like clue where you see different variations and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of, it uses that mechanic, but this it's less signposted, which makes it harder to follow. So I feel like it's in keeping with the Agatha Christie red herring Right. Um, I was remembering today how much I hated Clue when we did it in season yes. one. Yeah, because well, watching this, I was like, wow, it is exactly like a middle point between Poirot and Clue. They even say uh, Blonky. No, it's not Blonky. It's, one, it's the detective who says uh, this guy looks like he even lives in the Clue board. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I know you mentioned last week uh, mm. 
I don't know why this has just popped into my head now because there's obviously more to talk about with the movie, but this is related to it that um, there is a sequel uh, listed on IMDb, and Daniel Craig yes. is the only recurring character as we know, mm-hmm. know of. Um, I uh, so he's from Kentucky, Tennessee. Uh, I think it well they they make two KFC references. They do, yeah, him. yeah, and yeah. and Foghorn Leghorn. Yes, and I was thinking that. I would love it if he remains Benoit Blanc detective, but in every subsequent movie they make with that character, his accent is different. And he's either Swiss, Belgian, French, French Canadian, or and, and basically the accent. Just do the same accent for each one. Well, no, just like the accent is just to he uses an accent to put off put people off their guard i see and like it's it's like a trait of his style and he just pretends to be from a different place in each setting or something like that i just Mm. it feels like that's the sort of thing you could do with this character yeah yeah. much play has been made about the accent like there are some people who outright set against it particularly reviewers when this Mm. came out but i was watching so i only finished watching this at you know seven o'clock this evening Mm. uh for again and um i was thinking like how well does that character work if it's not played by somebody putting on an accent like if it's played by somebody for whom that accent is natural yeah i think it's different i think so too like it would not i think like i'm pretty sure this was originally supposed to be kenneth browner oh I have. I don't know why I have that in my head. This is supposed to be Kenneth Branagh, and he would have done it with exactly the same accent. Yeah, I could um, absolutely see that. He's done that. Well, well, he West. did Murder on the Orient Express as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I can totally see that. But yeah, also yeah. But also, I mean, I, you think of like you know, Poirot has always been played by a British actor doing a Belgian yeah. accent. So yeah, I can see why that conceit works for us as brits i don't know if it would work for yeah i think it completely changes the character even Mm. if it's not played by daniel craig as i said last week i think this is the most fun i've ever seen him have on screen yeah i think i'd agree with that because everything i've seen him in that isn't james bond has been very serious and he's very Um, serious in bond yes yeah absolutely his bond is the no fun no frills all grit and punching bond Mm. yeah you know yeah um, yeah. One of the things that made me uh, weird, jumping around, we're jumping around all over the place here. Sorry, just the internet connection. Yeah. Um, so there was th- things I noticed this time around that I didn't notice last time around. Okay, that's good because I was when I finished watching it, I was just like, that was really good. I'm not sure how much I could watch it again. Like, would I get the same experience? Like, get something out well, of it again? I I watched it again within a week of seeing it the first time. Well, ten days, let's say maybe. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, knowing how it ends, yeah. so I was looking for more of the details. Okay. And there's things like um, that conversation you mentioned that Marta gets dragged into mm. about immigrants. Yeah. And there's a bit where Richard Don Johnson he's eating cake off a plate and he yes. idly holds his hand out with the plate in, yeah. while talking to somebody else, to Marta who's standing there as if she is wait staff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, which it's, is that's god level character detail. <laughs> that that was an improv by Don Johnson apparently, or a suggestion wow. by him. No, nice. just like he's so he's again his his systemic racism is, is so ingrained. Yeah, that he just he just it, it's not even a thought 
it's just a yeah. reaction that he just yeah. hands over a plate when he's finished. She is Hispanic, therefore she must take this plate. Yeah. And I love the fact that every time they say, oh, her family's from, it's a different Central American country. Yep. Because yep. And the actual ta- one is never mentioned. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think that's, there's, there's some very good, subtle, and not so subtle political yeah. uh, jabs in this. Yeah. One thing I really did notice... This whole movie falls apart completely if only Marta had a second pair of shoes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but the also, the, like, so Blanc says towards the end, she says, How did you, how did you know I was involved mm. towards the end? And he said, The first time you set foot in the room. Mm. And I noticed this time, the first time he meets her, he doesn't, it's not brought, called attention to, but he looks down at the floor, looking directly at her shoes right. during the first sentence he even says to her. See, that's fantastic. I know. Like, th- th- this is what I like. I love details in movies. And yeah. this, I absolutely want a copy of the screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things, like, like you say, I, I, I'm always interested in where that de- like you know the, the whole don don johnson plate thing that could have mm. easily been a note in the script but it's not it's something that the actor brought to the to the mm. to the film and i think that there's a lot that a lot of credit directors get for stuff and a lot of credit that actors get for stuff that is actually flipped the other way like you can never yeah. really know you know who it's is a responsible it's a collaborative medium oh it absolutely is and uh, you know, uh, you know I, it, it's and although stuff. some actors and directors and writers don't necessarily see it that way <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um oh god, I've completely for, forgotten what I was going to say. Um so let's uh talk about someone popping up who I was not expecting at all, M. Emmett Walsh. Yes, who has really... a one scene cameo and I swear I thought he died in the 90s and here he kind of looks like he did. I when he popped up I was, it was with my wife and we were like, "Oh, who's that?" And she went, isn't it like M.M. M. at Walsh or something? No, I was mm. like, no, he's been dead for years. Like, yeah. I didn't think it was 90s, but I thought he died in like, I thought he yeah. might have been a 2016 or, or he, he, you know, 2010s yeah. or something like that. No, you know, it's him. It's him. Looking, no. like you say, pretty rough. Brian Johnson got out his shovel and his voodoo <laughs> magic and he brought him back to life. Yeah. <laughs> and I love his his scene where he's talking about how, you know, all this security is not like it used to be where you'd have to walk around with a gun and all the rest of it. And yeah. he offhandedly mentions now we have all this modern technology and his modern technology is the shittiest old VHS VCR <laughs> you've ever seen and three crappy CRT monitors. Yeah, two of which don't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I'm jumping backwards and forwards through my notes here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a hard movie to do, like... Yeah, it is like know, I feel we're not really doing it justice at all. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things. Is that I think it's like you. It's a movie you just have to like. I didn't take any notes at all. I just like okay. I just because I just wanted to watch it and yeah. experience it because I knew that loads of people have said it was really fun and it was you know it was lots of detail and stuff. So I just wanted to just enjoy it as a who done it really. Hmm. And and you know I think it yeah it works so well and and I think all of the performances are absolutely excellent everyone's got to tell you who i wrote so first time round, you're kind of dazzled by benoit blanc i think yeah and daniel craig doing this thing who that is so unbondy that you know you i you kind of can't believe it's coming from him yeah um this time around i found myself watching michael shannon more 
Yeah, Michael Shannon. He, wow, he's quietly really good. He, there's a. I don't know if we. I don't think we did it on the podcast. I think I watched it after we'd finished uh, season one. Mm. Uh, there's a movie called Midnight Special, and he's great. Yes, I've heard of this, and I've been wanting to watch it, and just not got around to oh, it. Oh, it's yeah. There's something good about that movie. I watched it. It was when it was just after my daughter was born, and I was spending a lot of my nights just with mm. like I I just stay up all night with her on like her on the sofa asleep yeah, sleeping so yeah. that my wife could get really like deep sleep and um yeah I would just end up watching loads and loads of movies and that was one and it was yeah that was really good well, well it's, a, a, it's a man and child movie isn't it yeah it is it, it was yeah. it was the perfect time for me to watch that film yeah. I think um yeah Michael Shannon was just he's yeah he, he's excellent and he, again he's one of those actors who just brings so much subtlety mm. and layers and that. Mm. and you know you're, you're right that uh daniel craig does kind of bombard and dazzle mm. um, i think he gets one of my favorite lines right, which is uh when he's revealing stuff about ransom and he's just like and we know this because the nazi child masturbating in the bathroom heard it <laughs> Yep, I have the exact line written down. What were the overheard worlds by the Nazi child masturbating in the bathroom? Exactly. And, it's just... and that line for me is almost, knocked me out my seat, almost on par with the sandwich line from What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. remains one of my favourite lines in movie history. Yeah. Um, uh, he gets another great line earlier on. Uh, which is, I determine the arc's path, stroll leisurely to its terminus, and the truth falls at my feet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's loaded with great dialogue. Apparently, um, Ryan Johnson wasn't sure how much of the, um, uh, like the ending revelations they were actually going to shoot. And then it turned out Daniel Craig had memorized the final 30 pages of the script and knew all of the dialogue off by heart. Wow. And he's like, well, screw it. We're just going to let him do it. And he did. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He he strikes me as the sort of actor that really like he puts the work in. Like if he's really into, like if he's really believing in the project, he will. Like I think in this, you can tell he's loving every second of it. I can't imagine he's a barrel of laughs to work with, but I bet he's very very diligent. <laughs> the whole bit where he's talking about the case as a donut. Yes. Yeah. And then he's like, it's not a donut hole. What we have is not a donut hole, but a smaller donut with a hole of its own. <laughs> yeah. Apparently that nearly got cut. Ryan Johnson was just like, oh, let's not bother oh. with that. And Daniel Craig was like, no, 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 no. I want to do it. I want to do it. Yeah, so yeah. I think yeah, you know, there's there was so a lot much of that. great stuff. And then jumping back to the beginning, like the opening 20 minutes is like mm. the the uh, police questioning with Blanc yes. hanging around in the corner. Yeah. Um, and just and the little like tap on the... Sorry, the, the little piano. tap on the piano, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You notice that after he taps, the detective always asks the same question. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, like, that is so well written and shot and edited. Mm. Like, you almost don't realise that you're gone 20 minutes by the time that ends. And no. it's, but it's packed with information that's set up everything. Yeah, yeah. It's almost, like, almost solidly talking heads. Yeah. Uh, with a few yeah. sort of flashbacks and stuff. Yeah. So there are, I th there are one and a half things I would probably change about this if this were a Kieran Lefort film. Okay. I would punch the color palette. Okay. If you see the advertising, like yeah, it's yeah, super saturated vibrant. and it's very vibrant. And this, the film itself is actually slightly muted. Yeah, particularly outdoors. 
Yeah. yeah. And I would, I, I would, I, maybe they thought it would look too clue slash cluedo y mm. if, you know, you had someone who looked like Professor Plum, yeah. you know, and what have you. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I think I would have kept with it and like punched the palette and perhaps made it slightly more cartoony. Yeah. And I am in two minds as to whether I would have cut the first shot of the drop of blood on Marta's shoe. Right. Because um, it's all about weighing up whether you want the bigger moment to be, oh shit, now she's really in trouble, or the mm. how did you know moment at the end where yeah. Blanc points it out. Yeah. I I have to say, I do think that Blanc comes, doesn't quite come off as the amazing detective because of that um okay. but um you know there's part of it where you're thinking oh maybe he just got a bit lucky but then mm. you know with, with more movies that might be rectified yeah. or changed um yeah. i think we're coming back to the big debate about rope do you remember right. between the writer and hitchcock about whether you should or should not know whether they've done it or not at the beginning mm. and, I, and and it's it is one of those things where you're like, is there more tension when you know yeah. there's, a, there's a body in a box or is there less tension because you don't know if they've done it or not? Well, there's and still I think tension it, around there being a body in a box, whether you know if they've done it or not. Mm, yes, but it's, yeah, it's, 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 which is more heightened. I think it, it depends yeah. story to story. Mm. Um, yeah, you're right. It's a bit, I, I expected... I don't know. I think there are things that I think you should see Blanc work out for himself rather mm -hmm. than get told. Right. You know, I think there should be a few bits where quite often in... I, I also know, think there are moments where people tell him stuff he has, edu he has already worked out. You just don't know he's worked it out yet. It, that's what I mean. Like, And he's I think, coercing them into confirming what he already knows. Yeah, yes, that's true. But then I think there may be, I don't know if it's Columbo, there's definitely a detective series where quite often a, a, a subordinate, and they could have done this with the kind of excitable uh, highway patrolman, uh, oh, yeah. will rush in, oh, I've got some information. Oh, is it this? Hmm. And like, and give, like, I think that that kind of conceit could, could work very well for the character of Benoit Blanc. Yeah. You know, hmm. give him a bit more special kind of detecting skills maybe it's sherlock Super, holmes superpowers <laughs> yeah yeah that kind of sort of sherlock holmesy kind of thing do we have anything else to add or should we just you know no i think you know we we've spot the hell out of it so I, I, there's no point telling I people to so go too. see in it in a very haphazard manner <laughs> Yeah, they should have seen it already if, if they've got this far yeah. into the podcast. Um, yeah, and if you have got this far into the podcast and are confused by what the hell we're talking about, watch Knives Out. Yeah, in the absolutely. UK, it's available on Prime Video. I presume it's available on streaming platforms all, all over the world elsewhere. Yeah. Um, you have no excuse, really. No, not at all. It comes, with, it comes with the Have You Seen Seal of Approval, I think. Yes, definitely does. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. And I, I actively look forward to a sequel. So we said back in... Um, nipples for men mm. uh where we talked about time bandits that we knew what the first episode of this season was and we knew what the last episode of this season was yeah i'm sure it will shock one and all to know that what the fi the final film we are doing this season is 
has changed twice <laughs> since the season has started. Yeah. Um, uh, because we had one thing we were going to do and then mm-hmm. something else entered our sphere and we were going to do that instead. And then the delightful Mr. Peter Hammond, uh, a long-term supporter of this show, uh, sent us a mini pitch, which I hope Tom has because I don't. Oh, crap. No, I don't. Um, oh. I can find it. Hang on. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll babble while you do that. Okay. Well, um, so uh, despite having a plan, 10 planned out episodes, uh, we are throwing it all out of the window for episode 10 and doing the one and only listener pitch of the season. Um. I know what it is, but I don't have the words uh, that Mr. Hammond actually wrote. I do. I have found the email. So I shall read it. So I shall hand it over to Mr. T. Webb. Uh, Okay. Uh, Right. Shall I just do the pitch or shall I read the whole email? It's quite a short email. Read whatever you like. Okay. All right. So how do lads? Great to have you back. Yours is always a podcast staple for me, generally listened to on day of release. Sorry to hear about Kieran's Bell's palsy. That seems to have cleared up really well, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much back to normal now. The only thing I have is a laggy eyelid when I blink. Right. Okay. And I filmed it today at a thousand frames a second so I can work out exactly how laggy it is. <laughs> nice. Um, he says, but it did make me laugh uh, as it reminded me of a line in Men in Black when they, they go into the lads aloft to watch a tape and his mother offers them mini pizzas. He says, they're really good. She's got palsy, so puts a lot of cheese on. What? Uh, I know. I don't think it's Bell's palsy. I think it must be another one. I I haven't seen Men in Black for ages. Also, stop laughing at my affliction, you bastard. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. Uh, A short pitch. Fire. It's on Netflix UK, so easy to get hold of. All I'll say is, Jarul wants to charge me nine grand to watch Blink-182 on Pablo Escobar's island. What follows is an utter cavalcade of shithousery. Cheers, Pete Hammond. Very typical email from Pete. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. So uh, what Pete has pitched us is uh, Fire, the greatest party that never happened. Fire is F-Y-R-E, a Netflix documentary from last year uh, about the absolute disaster that was the Fire Festival. Um, Mm. I know almost nothing about the Fire Festival other than it happened and it was a massive disaster. I've also never attended a festival in my life. Um, really no i there's no band i like enough to spend three days standing in fucking mud to watch <laughs> okay fair enough i have <laughs> particularly not when they're going to be playing wembley arena two weeks later <laughs> yeah, that's fair yeah exactly you have so you can bring some uh some festival experience to this yeah okay i, I don't think i've been to a festival well i've been to like reading and leeds and the oh, well, reading and the v festival right so that's as close up. I've never been to like Glastonbury or okay. anything like that. It's never floated my boat. Okay. I have no actual synopsis for the documentary itself. No. Um, I figured the email was good enough. Like I, yeah. I, I just kind of want it to be like, because I know so little about this. I, I'm almost like, I don't want to know. The one, Even that pitch was too much. <laughs> the one extra detail I will add is that it is directed by Chris Smith, who directed American Movie, which we covered and loved in season one. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah, All I right. was thinking about I'm that. In. I was thinking about that film recently, actually, because I watched something where a guy went to this. Essentially, it's like a VHS archive in New York. Right. It's these three mm-hmm. guys who, like, they, they grab 
they're trying to archive as much as they can, like even really obscure stuff. And one right. of the things they have on their shelf that was prominent in one of the shots is a cased copy of Coven, oh, the wow, short nice. film from uh, yeah. American movie. Amazing. Yeah. Is Coven the short or is Coven the yeah, one he's trying to yeah, uh, Coven. The, yeah, yeah. But no, he's, Coven's he's trying the to one he's trying to make. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they have, but anyway, yes, they have a copy of Coven. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Um, so, yeah, what we're doing next week, our third choice <laughs> is um, uh, the Fire documentary. Yeah. Well, we should say thank you to Pete. Absolutely. Yes. Email. And uh, yeah, thank it's you for fantastic. Your continued support, sir. So. Yeah, yeah. Very Even much if you so. Are so mockingly I, afflicted. I hope you enjoy our review next week. All right. So uh, I'm going to call that done, particularly because my the light in the corner on a timer has gone out, which tells me it's time for bed. Um, <laughs> if you have seen Fire, or in fact anything we've done in season two, we invite you to send us your reviews uh, and, in fact, pictures. Where is it worth people sending us pictures? No, particularly not because, the man, not oh, no, I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm in auto. I mean, have you seen Autopilot? <laughs> Like ne- next is definitely the last episode in the season. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Should should there be a season three? We'll flag it on social we're, media. We're, a couple we'll of weeks we'll ahead have a chat time. and then we'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. So right, if you have seen Fire or anything we've done in season two, you can contact us on Twitter slash Instagram at HYS Podcast. On Facebook, we are facebook dot com slash Have You Seen Podcast. The website is Have You Seen dot net. I got another uh, lovely bill for that recently uh and the email is hyspodcast at gmail.com if you would like to watch the video series i have been making about my recovery from bell's palsy you can do that by going to bit.ly slash kieran bells uh tom is there anything you'd like to alert the listener to yeah so you can check out my documentary the easy bit which is all about the male perspective of fertility treatment it's on uh, amazon prime video and vimeo on demand uh, we should say that is to rent on Amazon Prime rather than included with uh, subscription. That's true. Uh, yes, and that is correct. Should you require a URL, it is bit.ly slash the easy bit. Oh, well done. I forgot that bit. Hey, uh, I know. We'll, we'll work on it for season three if there is one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, judging by what's happened tonight, I doubt we'll make oh it to the God. end of season two. Yeah. I know. This is horrific yes. tonight. Okay, uh, I, need to, I need to turn this off, have some headache pills and go to bed. And I think Tom does yeah. too. Uh, so we shall say thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you next week for fire goodbye bye